He's God alone. Alone. And he is unchangeable. He is unstoppable. Decisions. He is on the throne and decisions. Hmm. What's a decision you're going through right now in your life? Something on your plate that you're having to make some uh, considerations about and some plans about and some thoughts about. What are some decisions right now for you? Get them in your mind. What are you thinking through? What are some things on your platter? Decisions. Question for you. What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? Uh, Junior hires, senior hires. What is God's will for you? Single adults. What's God's will for your life? Married adults? Senior citizens? Widows? Divorce? Grandparents? What is God's will for your life? Now, when most people are asked that question, they're kind of thinking in their mind, yeah, Big God, unchangeable, unstoppable, he's got a plan, he's doing his God stuff, and he's got a plan, and and that plan includes me, and yeah, God knows exactly where everything's going, and he knows just what's going to take place, and what's going to happen, and that means that he has an exact process for me in my life, and I've got to figure out what that is. It's kind of like living on a dot. Kind of like living on a dot. You know, and that dot is really comfortable. Because when I am on the dot, when I am on God's will for me, when I'm in the places God wants me to be, and, and, and I marry the person that God wants me to do, and thank goodness no one's married the wrong person, because if somewhere down the line, you know the telephone game, multiplication, like everything's all messed up, but thankfully, uh, you know, there's the one person for me, and the one career for me, and the one thing for me, and, and the right car for me, and, and the right beanie babies for me, and all this kind of stuff. And when I'm on that dot... Woo! Oh, I'm, I am in God's will. And I don't want to step out of that dot. Because that's out of God's will. You see, and everybody's got their spot. And my job is to find that spot. Well, maybe another way to look at this is, is like with a maze. Where God has, when I came to a point where I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, I, I became a child of God. I was on God's team now. And, and God put me kind of like at the front of the maze. And in this maze of life, God is looking from up above, kind of like in junior high, if you did the mouse in the maze experiment, you know, and you're watching the mouse, and it's like God looking down and watching me, the little mouse, you know, with my whiskers twithering. And, 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 and God in this maze, he has a perfect path. For me, a corridor for me, and, and, and there's just a certain way to go. And God is sitting there, and He's looking down on me. And when I'm walking through this path, He's going like, duck, 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 take it right, 
And I'm like taking a laugh. He's like, no, you blew it. And on and on and on. And I want to tell you here, because God knows the path of my life. And then when I come up to where there's like a turn in the path, and there's like I could go this way or that way, holy cow, now what do I do? Because that's when my decision-making process kicks in. Kind of here's, some, here's some of the ways I might do that. Let's see, there's some, like, on the, I'm on this treasure hunt, and there's these little hints along the way. doesn't tell me what to do, but there's little hints. So I'm going to try and use those hints. Or maybe I'm going to stand there and I'm going to go, oh, I feel at peace about hanging a left. Wow, this is it. You know, or, or maybe it's the, you know, I'm there and, and all of a sudden I think, what are the odds? If I go left, what are the chances of the pro-con list? And then this is the pros and the cons list. And, and then I'm going to go this way and I'm going to tally it up. And, and the right corridor, I think, has more pros than cons. So obviously that's God's will for me. Can I tell you something? Walking in the maze of life is like frustrating as all get out. Because then it's just like a game. It's like a science experiment. Is that the way God works? Maybe another illustration I'll bring up here is, is that walking a tightrope. You know, and life is about walking a tightrope because God has a way for me and the path is narrow. And when I'm walking on this tightrope with God, and this is what God wants me to do, and, and, whoa, I do not want to step out here because if I step out here, like if I buy the wrong car and I step out here because God has just the car for me, or if, if I like, choose to go to the wrong college, I mean, I'm in deep trouble because, like, this is a problem. This is going to hurt. I'm going to fall. But yet, you know, I stay on this tightrope the whole way, and I'm like, oh, God, please help me. You know, do I marry her? Do I marry her? Do I marry her? (laughs) Hopefully that's not quite the situation. (laughs) But we're in it. It's like God has one woman for me, and if I get the wrong one, I'm doomed for life. And the fear that comes out of living on the dot or down the corridor of the maze, or on the tightrope, I want to tell you from, I'm just going to say from experience, that's the way most Christians live our lives. And that's the way most of us think about life. And I get ready because for some of you today, your minds are going to be blown away. And let me rephrase that. Your paradigms for how you go about life are going to be blown away. And I don't say that because like, I'm some great guy. I say that because we have to rethink what Scripture says about decisions. And in fact, I'm so tired of looking at these pictures. Let's replace them. In fact, let's replace them first. Let's get rid of the dot mentality And let's take a look at this, and let's stop, and let's look at the reality of the great freedom that there is in the decision-making reality with God as our sovereign God. It's so much more fun. 
And like, let's get rid of the confining, frustrating, maze idea, and let's look at just the opportunities there are. It's like one stinking corridor, that's it? No, there's all kinds of options out in life. And then this tightrope one, let's just like trash that. And yes, there is a narrow road to Christ. But after the narrow way to Christ, the options become vast and freeing. Living as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's so cool. Grab your Bibles. And let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Friends, listen. God's will for you and I is not about places or things or cars or careers. That is not God's will for our lives. Ultimately, God's will for our life is about a personal, living, growing, dynamic relationship with Him. It's about relationship, not about all the peripheral stuff. In fact, the peripheral stuff, the decisions that we make about the peripheral stuff tells a story about the relationship that we have with our creator. Are they important? Absolutely. They are important in that they tell a story. Every decision that you and I make tells a living, breathing story of what our relationship with God is. So what's the will of God? Let's kind of nail that one down first. I love this passage in Colossians chapter 1. We could go to other passages, but let me, let me just camp on this one here initially. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. And so, Paul is saying to the church in Colossae, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Wow, that's a whole lot of praying, ain't it? Well, I was told in seminary, don't say ain't. Because people think you're dumb. But you know that. So, so here, don't you wonder, what is Paul going to be praying unceasingly about for these people? Of all the things that just grab his heart, and he says, I'm just praying again and again and again and again and again and again for you. What is he praying? Let's take a look. Three things. Pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge or with the insight of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as, in other words, for the purpose of being able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Three things come out of this passage, three words, knowing, growing, and showing What's the will of God for you and I? Well, one way to properly answer that is to say simply this. It's this. 
This is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for me. This is it. This. This is the will of God. Okay, but like, (laughs) what does this say? I'm kind of summing it up today saying it's about knowing, growing, and showing. Knowing. What do we mean by knowing? Well, here in the passage it says uh, he's praying that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, again, what's the will of God? Simply this. There is a creator who created you and I, and he is on the throne. And there is a God that created you and I, and the Bible tells about how we are sinners. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody, me, you, everybody, that's all. And as a result of that, because of your sin, you've been separated from God. I have been separated from God because of sin. When, uh, so there's a creator that he created us to bring him glory and to live in relationship with him. We'll get back to that. And yet we've sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, plus you and I have sinned, right? Who sinned? All of us. All of us. And because of sin, all fall short. All are separated from God. Boy, that's a stink bomb situation. But here's the cool thing. God has an answer for that, the Bible says. Because we cannot save ourselves. Oh, but see, I'm doing good works, Doug, trying to earn God's favor. Like, how many good works do you need to do? I have yet to ever have someone who has that theology be able to answer that question. How many good works? Well, just more good works than at least Hitler. Or at least more good works than whomever. Oh, is that right? And like, what do you base that on? No, 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 no. All have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. All are separated from him. Bad news. But the good news is, is God, in his grace, himself, the the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God himself came down in the flesh to pay the price that you and I need to pay but cannot pay, and he did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And on the cross, he paid the payment for our sins and then rose from the dead. And this is important. Made available the forgiveness of our sins, made it available to all. Listen, if if the payment of the death of Christ on the cross was automatically put on everybody at that time, the Bible would say so. But the Bible says, I'm continuing out what is knowing... The Bible says that he made the payment and made forgiveness available to all so that as many as received him, to them, to those who have received Christ, to those ones, he gave eternal life. Do you know that? I'm serious about that. Do you know that? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with your creator. Do you know about that? And is there a time in your life where you have taken the knowledge and you have received Jesus Christ as your savior to forgive you of your sinful condition before God? Is there a time where you've done that? If not, I would just, would you do that today? Please would you do that today? As many as received him, To them he gave the right to become children of God. 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. (laughs) What a wonderful message. That's knowing. That's knowing. And Paul is praying, I pray that you get this, that you grasp this understanding. And not only that, that you grasp it for the purpose that you walk in a manner worthy of it. In other words, oh, I'm going back a couple series. Remember over here, those who were around, what was this? The pit of doom, the pit of despair when we're going through Ephesians. And in the pit of doom, and yet when a person receives Christ, we've gone from over there, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, into Ephesians chapter 2 plus, and it's over here, and we're in a relationship with God. Oh my, how rockin' cool is that? And like if I've been living and thinking like this over here, like yeah, let's murder, yeah, let's rape and pillage, and yeah, let's steal, and yeah, let's... And then I'm over here, and it's like I'm with God, and it's like, yeah, let's rape and... That like makes no sense. You see, it's not just about getting the golden ticket to be saved, but it's about living in a dynamic, growing relationship with God. And now I have to learn, what does it look like to live here with Him? Because I'm bent this way. And yet I've got to be living this. That's growing. God wants us to be more and more set apart unto him as we grow up in Christ. And that's what he's saying here, uh, that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. God's will for you is that you know him and that you grow in him. And third, God's will is that you show him. Look look at the end here. Uh, Fully pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work. You see, over here, when I've come to Christ, and now I'm living with him, and I'm trying to grow with him, I mean, my goodness, I want it to show. I don't mean like in a braggadocious way. I just want fruit to come out. I want Jesus to be the thing. I mean, like, how cool is that? And we're to show it. And we're to be showing it to other people. And we're to be showing it to God so that he sees. And by the way, do you see at the end there where it talks about the knowledge thing again? And increasing in the knowledge of God. Because here's what happens. When I am one who is knowing and growing and showing, as I'm doing that, it makes me want to know more. And as I begin to know more of the immaculate, unbelievable, super-duper situation that's come our way, I want to grow more. And as I grow more, I'm like, what am I doing? Like not serving and and, and loving Jesus and other people. I I got to, because that's what my Savior does. And so I want to show more. And then it makes me want to. That's God's will. Okay? That's God's will. What's God's will? Three words. Okay, excellent. Knowing, growing, and showing. Listen, think about knowing, growing, and showing. What I was just talking about, all this, this is all about relationship. This isn't about following all these blasted rules and regulations. Paragraph 6, section 3, sentence 2. says, Doug, you need to do this. Yes, sir. This is about relationship. And so many have this idea that this whole God-religious thing is like some code of conduct. Well, yeah, God says don't do some things. And the reason is you don't do some of these things is because you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. And they don't bring Him glory. And God says, no, I'm sparing you, and I'm sparing you from from not giving me glory. 
And so here we are in this relationship. You say, well, Doug, I don't get the relationship. We'll go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. God is found walking in the cool of the day. Yeah, he's going after Adam and Eve because they sinned. <laughs> Oops. But you find him walking in the Eden, in Eden. And you see in the creation time that God was with them. Then later on, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes up to the twelve, or one, you know, a, a, a few at a time, and he and he talks to them. He says, "Hey guys, come, and, and I'm going to be doing a once a month seminar that I would like for you to partake in. Would you be interested in that? I'm going to show some DVDs here and there, and maybe we'll even have a couple songs. But you know, I'm going to come once a month. That's not what that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came and he said, "Follow me." Just the relationship that's intertwined in that statement is immense. Hang with me. Be with me. Three years. It's relationship. 2 Peter 3.18 For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous, Jesus Christ, for the unrighteous, you and I, to bring you to God. Do you see the relationship in that? To bring us to, and i got to have one more. Everybody go to Revelation 21. Oh, so very cool. I've had such a hard time this week putting this one together because there's so much I want to communicate. But listen, I'm trying to keep on the heart and core of it all. Because you're like, Doug, what's this decision-making process? Hang in there. Because it just simply flows out of this reality. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Oh, relationship. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, so cool. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the where? From the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is what? He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Do you see in the eternal state, this is like a relationship. It's not like, I'm not talking about God being needy. and God needs you and I. God wants to be with his creation. It's about this. And one day, we kind of, right now we term it like this, but one day it's literally going to be face to face. Is this enough for you? What do I mean by that? Relationship is just living for the purpose of being a person that is in a living relationship with God our creator through Jesus Christ. Is that enough for you and I? And I think way too often for me it's not. 
And I want to spiritualize everything to validate this. God gave me that car. God gave me that job. Please understand, I'm not saying that God doesn't, God can't. But we base that as who we're about. That's what our spirituality becomes. And God's like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm about this. And you're about all this. You see, and if I'm in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if this is what it's all about, anytime I go and bring something into that relationship, that's what decisions are about. Think about it. I'm like this with God, and let's say I'm a single, and now I'm talking about bringing, getting a spouse and bringing a spouse into my relationship with God. Listen, does God not like have something to say about that? I mean, he's my eternal partner. And a car, absolutely a car impacts this because of the financial ramifications going on. Oh, I'm going ahead. But I just, this is about knowing, growing, and showing. Doug, like, would you blast it, give me a decision-making process? Okay. I do as you ask. But listen to me, two statements. The process of making a right decision comes out of my right view of God. And if I do not have a right view of my purpose for life, I will not have a right view of making decisions in life. That's why I've spent all this time on it. Because it's about a relationship. And everything else is peripheral reality to that. It does play a part. And so the decisions that I make in life tell a story about my relationship with God. Every decision, as I've been thinking through, that, through this week, every decision you and I make is a story, telling a story about my relationship with God and whether he's there or involved or whether I care. So if life is about knowing, growing, and showing Jesus Christ, then wouldn't my decisions in life be about knowing, growing, and showing Jesus Christ? I say yes. And I'm grateful you answered so boldly yes. So let's talk about knowing just for a minute and get on this decision thing. Well, listen, when life comes along, decisions are an opportunity for me to display knowing, growing, and showing. Decisions are an opportunity for me to display my knowing, growing, and showing relationship with Jesus Christ. So when something comes up, some questions we can ask. What does God's word say about this? What does God's word say about this? I want to tell you, this is the starting point. This is the point where if I'm on track with this thinking, the rest of the process begins to fall in place. But so often what happens is we think, God doesn't talk about like how I'm supposed to interact with my boss, or God doesn't talk about what kind of car I should buy, or God doesn't talk about when I've got a job over there and a job over there offer, which one I should take. Oh, really? God doesn't talk about how big of a parking lot we should build. No, we're not building, but this is a... And I say, yes, he does. 
Because the scriptures say that we're to be welcoming, hospitable people. And in our culture, that includes having a place for people to park their car. And a place for people to be able to walk and ladies not to get their heels like stuck in the gravel. I'm dead serious. And the scriptures say that we are to obey the laws of the area. And most any county, most any city has laws about how big your parking lot is supposed to be. I would say that how big of a parking lot you build is a biblical issue. I know I'm using like a bizarre example, but this is what I'm talking about. Are we bringing things to Scripture, uh, knowing what does God's Word say about it? Am I praying for the Holy Spirit's help? In other words, not this. Oh, God, oh, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what decision I should make. And Ezekiel 20, verse 1 says, In the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, oh, my goodness, it's October. And this is saying tenth month. And certain of the elders of Israel came in to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. And I had the pastor come and sit before me this week. What I'm doing is what's right. Listen, that is not using the scriptures to make wise, knowing decisions. Instead, it's about what does God's word say? And Spirit of God, I realize that the Spirit of God uses the word of God to help the people of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I have never heard the Holy Spirit's voice. I have never heard God's voice. I have never heard Christ's voice. But I want to tell you something. The word of God speaks. Okay? And we go to it. This is our instruction manual. So am I praying for the Spirit's help? Am I thinking God's thoughts? That's the point. God, as I think about this, I just want to think because we're about us, right? Yeah, dude, we're about us. And it's like as I think about this, I want to think about this the way you think about this. And so I need to get Scripture in my mind so that I'm thinking about this in the kind of way that you think about it. And am I living like that? Or am I living like this where I'm walking through life through the lens of Scripture? And again, I just want to say, I'm in this struggle with you as well. Believe me. How often do I do that? How often do I bring the scriptures to bear on the decisions that I have before me? Knowing. Those are some questions you can be asking about knowing as you're making a decision. Now, growing. Growing. Well, what's this showing about me? This decision I'm making right now. What is this showing about what's in my heart? I mean, it's just a question to be asking. God, decisions are opportunities to tell a story of my relationship with you. And as I'm making this decision, what's going on in my heart? I mean, I don't know. What's going on in your heart as you're making the decisions you've got on the tables right now for you? Fear? Why are you afraid? What's the fear? Believe me, I understand fear. Believe me, I understand anxiety. Believe me, I understand worry. But the scriptures also say none of those are what God wants us to be doing. And what's going on within my heart that causes me to be that way? What's this showing about me? How can I grow in this situation? God, you've put this on my platter. My goodness, I don't even like this. This isn't like a fun choice about should I buy an Acura MDX or a Yugo. Well, we bought the Acura MDX. Just want for you to know. Okay, and so it's used 88,000 miles. And anyway, and so we're in this. 
and all the, you know, and it's, or the Yugo with like 10 miles and ready to fall apart. And so as we look at this whole process here, and I'm like, in this thing, oh, what God, you know, okay, that's that. But I'm talking about the big ones, like, God, I've got a decision now on where to move. Remember, my dad, when I was in high school, had a job offer from Michigan and a job offer in Minneapolis. And my dad wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with, where do I go? And later, I'm, part of my conclusion is I'm going to give you, I think after going through the process, God's like, who cares? Who cares? Because you can know, grow, and show in Minneapolis, and you can know, grow, and show in Michigan. And you can know, grow, and show in China. And you can know, grow, and show with a used Acura MDX. And you can know, grow, and show whether you are in a hospital or anywhere, right? Do you see how we just get in this whole decision-making process? All I'm trying to do today is help us to, like, let's get it back on track. And this is about a relationship with him rather than getting so busted up inside about everything going on. How can I grow in this? And I just another one is growth being shown in my life through this. Last time I was going through a decision on this and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, now in this decision, it's like, God, I just want to praise you because I'm actually seeing some growth in my life. (laughs) Every decision is an opportunity to tell a story of what's going on in my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Third showing. How can this be for God's glory? I mean, I want this thing to show God's glory. And how can this, just sitting back and thinking, how can this whole thing show God's glory? Even if it's just between me and him. God, I want this thing to be about your glory. How can this be used for God? You know, I've got an opportunity to to buy a canoe or I've got an opportunity to buy a minivan. Well, the canoe could actually be used for ministry opportunities. You know, you get some people together and you go pile into one canoe. (laughs) Or you get the minivan, and that can be used for ministry opportunities as well. I don't know. But have you thought through it? Because life is about knowing, growing, and showing. What kind of testimony will it be? What kind of testimony will it be? (laughs) The decisions that we make are opportunities to tell a story about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that story can be told to other people. And how does this impact? I'm going to get real personal with you here. A lot of you don't know about my background and so forth, but uh, my prior ministry, um, I had a, a BMW convertible. And I was an assistant pastor at a church. It was cool. And with our kids, we had a blast with it. I still remember the time where he was dressed up in the school mascot from our house, and I dressed up in it because Luke was in a soccer game, and Luke normally was the mascot, so I dressed up in it because you know I'm just kind of that way kind of guy. And uh, so it's this big eagle and this big head, and so we're in the convertible driving down the road and with my head sticking up out of it, and it was a blast. But I am going to tell you this. Um, I also ended up realizing that I'm never going to do that again. Why? I'm a pastor 
And just in our culture, there's this thing about pastors having certain things, and I've already got to deal with that anyway because of God's blessing from the past. But I want to tell you, I'm not doing that as aren't I great. I'm just saying that decisions have to be made. And how does that show? Decisions are about knowing, growing, and showing. Because life is about knowing, growing, and showing. That's it. That's it. Everything, the the end decision is secondary. Listen, you go through the process, you come down through it, and you end up saying, there's still a couple options. There's still two, three options on the table. What do I do? Maybe God's just going, what do you want to do? Just what do you want to do? Who cares? What do you want to do? Because it's about me and you, and you can go to college there, and you can go to college there, you can go to college there. Just don't like go to Harvard and get $250,000 in debt. Now, if your parents can pay for it, great. I don't care. But it's like, you see what I'm saying? And this is where we come back and we live on the dot, or we live through the maze. There's only one way that God has. Or we live on the tightrope, and I just like, that's just baloney, folks. Maybe I'm rocking your boat this morning. But I want to tell you, get back to the scriptures and take a look at how decisions were made. There's so much freedom in Christ. It's amazingly cool. Now, in the next couple minutes, I want to hit the faulty four. The faulty four. Four weak theological decision-making steps that are commonly made. First is doorman decision-making. The infamous open-closed doors of life. Question. You want to be a missionary? James brings this up in his book, uh, The Way of Wisdom. Uh, Pastor James does. And he says, uh, you want to be a missionary to India? You apply to India. I mean, India has been on your heart and your passion, you know, kind of like with my daughter. I mean, it's just, I don't know why there, but that's just passion on her heart. Let's just say Emily applies to be a missionary there. And she, so she applies for a visa. And she's been praying, God, please just bring that visa through. Would you please open that door for me to be able to go? And all of a sudden, she comes later on and finds out that the visa was denied. Ah, God, shut the door. Really? I would say in that, how do you know that? And I would suggest that you're thinking a little too highly of your ability to be able to make God perceptions. Because maybe, maybe what's taken place is Satan and the spiritual forces of evil do not want for you to go there to be able to tell people there about Jesus. And so what's happening is actually they have put in a process or something that's cutting you off, and God knows about it, and God's allowing it to happen. And maybe God's just standing back and saying, Emily, I want to find out how bad you really want to go. Because you're going to leave the comfort of your culture, move somewhere else, learn a different language or a different kind of English language, if you will, and go to this place and pick up and move there and try and fit in with the culture. And you think it's hard now, sweetheart. Wait till you get over there. And so I'm actually going to allow something to come in your way to challenge you on whether you should do this. You see what I'm saying? And yet, man, open door theology is there. I could go back and I can tell you things in my life where I would be like, God, open that door. But listen to me. You have to be careful because you don't bank it on that because we have to realize that we are depraved sinners. And the Bible has what's called a noetic effect 
on our minds, even saved in Christ, that impacts our ability to understand things. And we just have to be careful. Another one is talk show decision making. You know, you just gather a whole bunch of people around a table, like on The View. And you gather a whole bunch of people around, and they just start talking. And they say, what would you do? I'm, I'm making, trying to figure out which college I should go to. What would you do? Well, I would suggest you do this. Well I, would, well, I knew someone who did this. Well, I know someone who did this, and I know someone who did And you're like, okay, there's five of us, and three said yes, two said no. Three wins. That's God's will. Now, the scriptures do say seek counsel. But people that are going to bring truth to the decision-making table. And yeah, experiences of what someone's done, yeah, it's interesting, and yeah, it can help, and even sometimes clarify some things. This is the instruction manual. This is it. Another one is the grocery list decision-making. You list all the pros and the cons. You know, pros, cons, pros, cons, pros, cons are the couple options on the table. And this one has more pros, so that was a good one. We'll go with that one. Again, I'm just saying, like, I remember back in the Bible, there were some people who went to a place to kind of check out and make a pro-con list. And they made a pros and a cons list, and they came back and said, lots of big cons. And they said, we ain't doing that. And God's like, hello? I think you forgot I'm a little bit bigger than this whole process. We've got to be careful about it. And the last one, love this one, Yoda decision-making. Yoda decision-making. It's this. Well-intentioned, and please, I'm not mocking you or anyone on this, but just, I'm just bringing it to your attention. I have prayed about this for a long time, and I'm at peace about this. God's just given me peace about it. That is a person who does not understand the depravity of mankind. Because seriously, how do you know? In fact, I remember Jonah feeling quite peaceful about straight out, in God's face, disobeying God. Jonah, I want you to go there. Uh, I don't really want to. Man, I'm telling you, I feel at peace about that. And Jonah was in full, complete peace, in full, complete disobedience to God. And I just say, be careful, be careful. God's will for me is to know and grow and show him. And if that's my purpose, then everything comes off of that purpose. Every decision in my life tells a story about my relationship with him. Every decision should have knowing and growing and showing right there with it. And yet, I'm just telling you, I look at it and I go, wow, how many times do I fail in that? Let's close with one passage. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. As you're turning there, I just want to make mention in your update, you've got three books that are listed in there. If I've uh, ticked you off, uh, spurred your thinking, whatever, I'd really encourage you to go grab some James's book, The Way of Wisdom. 
Uh, Maggie had uh, read this a while last fall, and she came into my office. I'll never forget it. She comes running just about into my office. Sits Doug, is the dot true? And her whole paradigm of life had just been shot. Living on the dot, right, Maggie? It's about living on the dot. And it's like, now I'm scared. Because what do I do now? Read it. Jay Adams' book, uh, The Christian's Guide to uh, Guidance. Read it. First book I ever read on the topic blew my mind on this whole thing. And another one I'm just going to add on is by Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise is just a wonderful woman. And it's called uh, Overcoming Fear, Worry, and Anxiety. Overcoming Fear, Worry, and Anxiety because that usually is right there as we make decisions. Well, let's read this verse and close. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and rising very early in the morning, Jesus had just been up late at night healing and ministering to people. And very early in the morning, he gets up, and while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Why would they be looking for him? Well, because the night before, he was healing these people, and he was helping them. These are needy, hurting people, and he was bringing them hope and help. And my goodness, this is a wonderful thing to do. Come back and help these people. Jesus, this is like a great decision to do. And look at what he says. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you, verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. What? He gave up the good for the best, for the better. Let us go on to the next town. Why did he say that I may preach there also? For that is why I came. Do you see how purpose drives decisions? Every decision that Christ was making was oriented to the decision, to the purpose of his life. And what was the purpose of his life? The purpose of his life is to make the walk to the cross for you and I. And all decisions were filtered through the relationship purpose. And it's the same for you and I. It's the same for you and I. Every decision is an opportunity to know, grow, and show Christ. Every decision. Let's pray. God, I am... uh, just awed so many times by my foolishness in life. And just so many times I uh, struggle to understand and to know what's going on with life, but yet really it's quite simple. You want us to know, grow, and show you. And God, I thank you for it. Thank you so much for the relationship with you. Father, I would pray this morning, if there's someone here who doesn't have that relationship with you, that this morning they would, if you will, bow their knee and receive you as their Savior. And for those that have done that, and you are their Savior, you are their King, you are their Lord, oh, Father, I would pray that maybe today is kind of a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a rethinking about what life is about. God, we're here to be in relationship with you and to give you glory. And Lord, I get so often 
off course in my thinking and so wound up in places and things and tasks. Father, I just think of Luke 10 where Mary and Martha are there. Martha is frustrated because Mary is sitting at your feet engaging with you. And the passage says that Martha was distracted by her serving. Oh God, I would pray that the decisions in life that we make, that they don't become distractions. It's not that they become unimportant. They're very important because they tell about our relationship with you. And God, you want to use them to help us to get to know you better. God, you want to use them to help us to grow in you. And you want to use decisions in life to help us to show you. No, God, help us to be those kind of people. God, may we be more about being than about doing. Thank you for being unchangeable, unshakable. Thank you for being God. Amen.